0: Welcome to the Being a Dad on Purpose podcast. I'm your host Bobby Benavides, and today we go into a conversation around grief. Um, you know, it, one in four uh, women go through the loss of a child either during miscarriage or during, um, uh, you know, birth. Um, but it's it's a heavy, heavy topic. But of course, dads go through it too. So on this episode, I get to interview a couple good friends of mine, Josh Chido and uh, Dan Lewigs, and we talk about grief and how to work through that and so um, their stories are told it's a long episode but I hope that you're encouraged and I hope that um, again you listen to it all the way through and if you your dad going through this um, we'll talk more at the end so here's my interview with Josh and Dan now I appreciate you guys coming on and um, so it's, a you know, this is definitely not the easiest subject to talk about, but it's a subject nonetheless, that I think a lot of dads need to hear about. And so, um, you know, grief, grief is, a is something that is a topic that again, not many dads are, are encouraged to talk about. Um, you know, it seems like we just kind of have to figure out how to work through it. Um, in my work as a fatherhood coordinator, some of the things that we see is that grief is a topic that's not research enough, uh, for dads, um, how grief affects dads, how it works through the minds and their emotional state. You know, moms are definitely studied obviously. Um, cause the, you know, they're directly hit by it. Uh, but sometimes dads just, uh, have to figure it out. And so I wanted to have you guys on to talk about this. Um, you know, I wanted you guys to share a little bit about your story, but then we're going to talk about, um, Grief from a from a man's perspective, from a dad's perspective. So again, uh Josh, Dan, thank you for, for joining me today. Sure. Yeah, excited to be here.
1: Yeah.
0: So um again, Josh uh Chido and uh Dan Lugs, uh Dan uh from St. Louis and Josh from uh Grafton uh West Virginia and so Excited to have you guys on as we talk about this subject. So, um, I'm actually going to ask Josh if you if you wouldn't mind just kind of starting off, just sharing a little bit about your story, and then uh, Dan, I'll have you do the same, and then we'll we'll go into uh, more stuff about that.
2: Sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, my wife and I, we uh, just recently moved to Grafton. We teach middle school music here. Um, absolutely love it. We love the area. So rewind back to 2014. Uh, My wife and I were married in 2007, Uh, just spent some time together. And then we finally decided it was the right time to start thinking of a family. Um, And we had been trying to conceive for a while with no luck. Um, We were actually starting to get to the point where we were thinking of seeing a medical professional, maybe there was an issue, uh, something like that. So one day we were sitting in church and my wife leans over and she goes she goes we need to go to MedExpress. She goes I am just not feeling well at all. And she had she had not been feeling well for a few days prior to that. So after church we went up to MedExpress and um I said do you want me to go in with you? She said no I'm just or actually I was in the waiting room and they took her back and she's like no I just wait here, you know. And we just figured it was flu, something like that, you know. That's all the symptoms she had. Um we had like I said we had been trying at the time and any type of a home pregnancy, anything like that, we're coming up negative uh, multiple times. And so she's back there for a while. And um, out of nowhere, the the nurse comes out and says, you need to come back here. I'm not even thinking pregnancy at the time. I'm thinking, man, she's got like some kind of a rare flu or something and she's in trouble. And we go in there and she's kind of standing in the back corner of the room, sort of crying. And uh, the test is right there. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm rejoicing. I was like, yes, finally, this is what we've been looking forward to, you know? Um, And so, you know, fast forward a few weeks, um, she had been having some issues that females typically have uh, with a miscarriage. And so um, we had went to our doctor here who, a lot of people say God gives certain people certain jobs for a reason. And our our OBGYN was in that position with us for a reason, he was just absolutely phenomenal through this whole process. Um, Incredible bedside manner, incredible, um, just caring. Uh, That's like one of the best things I can think that really helped me and her, I think, get through a lot of this. Um, You know, we went in, they did some ultrasounds, they, the, the heartbeat wasn't recognizable and you know, we were just a few weeks into it and they gave us the diagnosis that this is not viable anymore. and we were both taking it pretty well. Um, and then, you know, the doctor told us that this is, you know, it's, it's done, it's kind of over with and it's going to have to pass on its own time. And I, that's kind of when it really hit both of us. Um, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, what do you do? Um, nothing I could do or say to my wife could help. um, it felt like no matter, I mean, she obviously appreciated me being there and things like that, but it's, it's one of those things of, you know, I've, I've, I've been through a loss of a parent, grandparent and uncle. This is just a totally different ball game, you know, and it's your flesh and blood that you're talking about. So um, with a lot of, I wouldn't say full on grief counseling, but through our church at the time, um, through some neighbors, we did find out that we had a lot more friends that have been through this. It's just, you know, it's obviously one of those things that doesn't get advertised. But it, it's it's one of those things that we realized we had a lot more in common with some of our uh, friends that we associated with through this. So it kind of, in a way, was a blessing because it brought us closer together. Um, but, you know, fast forward a few months down the road, we tried again. And, and we now have a six-year-old beautiful boy, uh, Jonah, and uh, couldn't imagine life without him. It's it's just absolutely awesome.
1: Well, thanks for thanks for sharing
0: that story. It's a it's heavy. Um, so Dan, want to share share a bit about your your story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, my name's Dan Newig, uh from St. Louis, Missouri. So just regular regular guy, regular place. My wife and I um, married. Thought kids would come along. Uh, naturally normally and you know always was afraid uh, afraid when you're younger you hear the stories about people getting pregnant and uh, not planning on it and uh, you know we're married and intentionally excited about having children and nothing happened for a really 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 long time and we talked to each other and it seems like something's wrong this sure seems like it should be easier so we went and uh and talked to some doctors uh, you mentioned this already Josh that people this is something that people just don't talk about so we opened up to one of our closer friends and uh, you know similar age and everything and they said oh my goodness like when you're younger maybe this stuff just works like clockwork but maybe when you're 30 or you know in that range Maybe it doesn't She goes because of all of our friends that are close to us have confided in us. They had trouble also in their thirties. Like, okay, I guess we should go to the doctor. So we went and saw their doctor. He was a standard medical doctor. Um, what I've found, we saw many, 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 we spent lots of money with um, medications and different things like that. Uh, we intentionally stopped short of in vitro for various reasons, um, one of which I'm just against it. Um, but ultimately, we, we were pregnant and excited, elated, multiple tests, finally got to the 12 week mark, and the doctors were like, hey, if we get you to 12 weeks, man, things are good. You can tell everybody at 12 weeks, like, So we got to the 12-week appointment. It was like, man, that was like the greatest sound I ever heard in my life. We could clearly see the fetus on the image. However, this was also audio. And I could hear the heartbeat. It was amazing. And I took that sound in and just thank God. The medical staff was so excited for us, and they said, this is good. We're at 12 weeks. like, you're going to have a baby. That was awesome. And the very next morning, my wife woke up and said, hey, things don't feel right. We should go back. And we did. We went back. And they said, hey, we can't get you in right now, but we can get you in uh, about 1130. We got there at whatever time, 8 o'clock in the morning. and Oh, so you just want us to sit in the lobby for three and a half hours? Okay. Well, the reason why, in our opinion, they said that was because they knew something was severely wrong based on the symptoms. And they didn't want to tell us with a lobby full of people. So they brought us into the room. They did the ultrasound. I was hesitant, however, excited to hear that heartbeat again. And I didn't hear the heartbeat. I knew I I would not hear the heartbeat, and I didn't. I was looking at that doctor, and I saw that doctor avoiding making eye contact with me. I saw that doctor making erratic movements. I saw that doctor avoiding everything she could do to tell us what myself and also my wife clearly knew. This didn't happen the way the previous day had happened. We just waited for what seemed like hours. It was really probably 30 seconds, maybe a minute. The doctor took a deep breath, and she started to speak. I I may have interrupted her and said, that's it, right? She's like, I'm sorry. How is it? She then proceeded to tell us her options and ask us if we wanted to do genetic testing. And I said, what would that do? She says, really nothing. It'll just confirm that there was Down syndrome or blah, blah, blah. Is there anything we can do, any checklist, any blah, blah, blah? What the standard medical doctors do is they have a, uh, uh, I'll use the words, hocus pocus. We'll try some of this. We'll try some of that. We'll see what works. Um, Anyway, this is the most frustrating experience dealing with people who refuse to think outside of the box, refuse to check into alternate strategies, um, didn't have a real defined system of how they did what they did. They just tried some of this and tried some of that. And ultimately, that was the, the first miscarriage that we had. And then we had a second miscarriage after that. And I was absolutely fed up and I was still getting the same stuff try some of this, try some of that. And um, ultimately we found a much, much better way. And uh, it was something that God provided and uh, a Christian doctor took the time to come up with a real checklist and investigate uh, problems and solutions. And, and that appointment was radically different than all the other ones that we had. And Thankfully, we have two daughters. they our daughters. We didn't adopt. We didn't go through crazy strategies or anything. But you mentioned try to keep the story short, so I'll stop there, Bobby.
0: I um, yeah. I mean, those you guys both have stories to tell, right? I mean, and I think that's the thing. It's like there there are stories to tell, and I think if we if we don't allow people to tell their story, then this is. I think this is where we went wrong, right? For for many, for oftentimes for many dads, is that we don't allow them to tell their story. We we expect. It's kind of like when I had a conversation with these um, with a group of moms recently because I was I've been doing a, a training for moms called Understanding Dad, and um, one of the things that I may have mentioned to them was. You know, they want their dads like, we want the ma the, the we want the fathers of our children to to express their feelings and to share their emotions and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing is we're told so often as men that we can't. Yeah. Um, I said we are told so often as men that we have to we have to be strong. We have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and just keep pushing forward because we are supposed to be men and that's what men do. And then I challenged them. I said, you know, how often have you ever used the term man cold on your husband or on your partner? And they were like, well, what do you mean? I said, because when you do that, what you've done is tell your man that when they're feeling sick, they can't even tell you that they're feeling sick because they get made fun of by you that they're feeling sick. So now how do you expect them to share deep emotional struggle if they can't even tell you about a simple cold that they have? like, because you're, you've belittled them in that moment, right? And, and we never thought about it that way. I said, well, Mm -hmm. that's not your fault, though. That's just the way society has kind of made everybody kind of develop this whole thing, where it's like, men cannot share their stories. So this is what this is about, right? So, so thank you, guys, for sharing your story. It's, it's hard, I'm sure, you know, I, you know, I've, I have not gone through this. Um, And so when I hear about it, it breaks my heart, because it's like, you know, I'm I'm thankful that you guys have able to you know, have your, have children of your own, you know, after the after the fact. But I also know there's many dads out there who have not, or many men out there who have not been able to. Um, so now it's like, how do we work through this, right? So, so now for you guys, um, and you know, I'll I'll let kind of Dan if you, if you don't mind going through, then Josh if you want to share. But how did you and your partner work through the grief, right? Because you find out from the doctor. And I'm sure that when the doctors tell you, it's just kind of like, okay, well, like Dan said, like, I'm sorry. Um, And then you have to go home with it, right?
1: Knowing that it's over. Mm -hmm. So, how do you walk through that? What do you do? Yeah, the three times we were faced with that situation, we handled it differently both times. Um, The very first time, the day we found out we were, you know, the 12-week mark when everything's great and the strong heartbeat and, the uh, you know, all clear, uh, we called our parents and we said, hey, you're not going to believe this. Like, we're so excited to tell you. And that was one of our first thoughts was, huh, now we've got to make the opposite of that phone call that we just made yesterday. How are we going to do that? and kind of agreed that we'd wait to make that phone call later and not even think about it. Uh, So the first time that happened, we drove home, turned off all the lights, pulled the covers over our head, and laid in bed together for hours, hours and hours. I can't tell you how long. We made a Facebook post that said something along the lines of, you know, the, what do they call that vague book? You know, you make a post about nothing. Uh, hey, we could use some prayers. It may have been, that may have been the quote of the post. And, uh, we didn't pay any attention to people coming in or anything like that. We just held each other in a dark room and hours later, a buddy of mine called from, uh, out of, out of state. Like hey man, like what's up? Like oh you know, yes, yeah I know something's up. So what is it? Like man thank you for calling. And so that was really cool to be able to talk to a friend and just tell him what it was, you know share with them. And uh, you know my wife was around and she listened to the conversation. And he's like what do you want me to do? So there's not really anything you can do other than talk to me, you know, tell me what's going on in your life and then do pray for me. All right, cool. Like, I'm around. I'm like, yes, you are. I appreciate it. And he was the only guy that called. So out of the, you know, our thousand, five thousand closest friends on Facebook, one guy called. Um, so if you know somebody going through struggle, reach out, call them, um, you know, well, people can use support in times to struggle. The second time, you know, same type scenario, go to the doctor's office, like, sorry, I know yesterday or a couple days ago, everything was good. Well, today, it's not so good. Uh, there's a heartbeat, but it's very faint. And that time, oddly, uh, we went to the mall. And we walked around seeing people everywhere and almost well not almost we were laughing to each other about how this was awful and we could put a smile on our face and see a hundred people and hey everybody how's it going? Oh we're doing great laugh it off and then as soon as they pass us by look at each other like Hmm. and I you don't know, we're just walking around, we weren't looking to buy anything but just activity and uh and you know, as we were doing that, I actually called my parents and filled them in on what was going on and went and had lunch with them. And then later on that day, we went back to the doctor and got confirmation that uh, this, the second, uh, second one didn't make it either. But on the second one, we were more ready to talk to people. And the transition happened better on the second one, although it was equally crushing. Um, so just being with my wife, supporting her and holding her. At uh, same time, you know, she recognized that I also was extremely sad. However, um, it's different for a mom than, than a dad since I didn't have the baby in my belly. Uh, but at the same time, she's like, you know, don't think that I'm overlooking your feelings also. And I said, don't think that I'm not. Everybody as sad as you were, you know, we just consoled each other. And sometimes you don't have to solve problems. Sometimes you just have to be there. And so that was the main thing I did for my wife is I just kept space for her and there with her and prayed with her. And that was how we got got through both of them. Josh,
0: how about, how about you guys?
2: Sure. Um, so, okay, kind of like you were already talking about it's one of those things where you're at the doctors, you know, it's over. And like you said, you, you have to kind of go home with this now and you know, what do you do? Um, you know, my wife and I, we went home, um, you know, in tears, kind of, you know, she and I are believers at the time kind of questioning God. Why is, why, why would this happen? Why would you give us something so joyful to take it away when we've been praying so hard and earnestly about this? Um, Kind of waiting patiently and impatiently at the same time uh, for something like this to, to happen. And it does. And then it's in, in a blink of an eye, it's, go- it's gone. Um, it's one of those things to this day. I still don't have that answer. Um, I know people always say things happen for a reason. There's always a, a stronger purpose behind it. We may not know it in our lifetime. Um, it's, it's something I, I think about all the time. It's always in my, the back of my brain. Um, but my wife and I came home. Um, you know, of course, crime, teary eyed the whole way there. Uh, and as a husband, uh, Dan, like you were talking about, it's, it's one of those things like where I I like to fix things. I like to try to make things better. I like to, if she's hurting, I like to try to take care of her when she's sick. You know, I I get her things while she's resting. And this is one of those things I would just ask her, I say, what can I do for you? And she would just kind of throw her hands up. She's like, there's nothing you can do. And that for me was one of the hardest still is one of the hardest things is I have never ever felt anything or so pointless or useless in my life at that point um I didn't feel like a good husband I didn't feel like a like anything you know i I watched you know my dad raising me growing up, my brother big strong you know guys raising their families, and it's just like I can't do that right now, so what do I do um so one of the things with my wife is what got her through this and i worked alongside her is at the time we were had been talking about the house that we were living in about remodeling some of the rooms and she likes to garden we both do we like to work outside so she says i have to make something beautiful so we started working in the flower beds taking old shrubs out putting new shrubs in painting rooms um things like that not to ignore the fact But that was what my wife had to do. And me not knowing what to do, I said, this is how I can contribute to her, be there with her and help her make things beautiful. Um, So to me, that was our biggest way to get through the grief. Um, Yes, we did talk about it. We sat and cried many tears on it. There was one time we were on the couch and I think she cried so hard on my shoulder. My shirt was just soaked. Um, I I was like, I have to get a new shirt on, you know. Um, to this day, it, it's one of those things where I'm always going to be questioning it. Why? Um, for friends of ours that we found out through this that have been through that same thing, you know, Dan, for you, never meeting you, just hearing your voice, it, it's one of those things. Now I, I pray about and I ask why, Wh- why, why do things like this happen? And sadly, those are the things we'll never get answers to on this on this side of the earth. Um, but that was our main way of getting through with it. And like you said, Dan, we kind of made a, a, a post about it. We were not far long enough to know the sex of, of our, of our kid. Um, so we gave him the name, Benjamin Hope, um, Benjamin, son of my sorrows, hope for the hope of another one. So, um, that, that kind of helped us is to, it it kind of helped us, but also I think for me made it harder because it was more personal. Like our, our, our child had a name then, (laughs) you know, sorry, I'm getting kind of teary-eyed talking about it, but, uh, um, that, that to me, uh, I think is what got us through it a lot is just doing things around the house together. We could talk about it. Um, we had, uh, the message off Sirius XM, you know, blasting out loud. Um, for my wife, it's not so much for me. Uh, and again, you know, seeing her have to go through that. She, uh, at the time, Danny Gokey just had a song that had come out. Um, and, talks about there's hope in front of me. give me a sec, and uh I was at I, you know she had take time off taken time off of work I was at work, and she was at work painting one of our living rooms at the house, you know doing her process, and that song was a brand new song, so of course, like any brand new song, it plays like forty times in one hour, so there she is at home listening to this song that's explaining everything that we've been going through, and we're painting the house, she's balling her eyes, you know things like that so that was our I think moment more hers than mine, but that was more of our moment of grief right there um was by taking a bad situation but making
1: something beautiful out of it <clears> that's <throat> uh both of you guys like sharing that um gosh, Dan, you said
0: something sometimes it doesn't it's not about solving the problem it's just being there um that's a big statement big statement and then Josh sharing like you know not having the control and not being able to fix it you know um but doing what you needed to do to make things beautiful again for your wife that's a that's a big that's huge guys those are huge statements for both of you in the hardest moments you know finding that that space to like know like okay this is what i need to do but there's this it kind of makes me think of um there's a song by michael Gunger, um i believe uh, like um that basically talking about how god makes beautiful things
1: out of the dust you know um mm-hmm. and just the idea
0: that in these moments that everything that could be falling apart or everything seems like it'd be just like a mess. God can still make something beautiful out of it. So I think that's a big, that's, you know, it's hard, you know? And, and I think Josh, like, thank you for being honest about questioning God, like why, you know, like, um, and I'm sure that question runs in all of us, you know, like it, it, I think that's inevitable. Um, and I think for some people, especially if if you're listening and you, you don't have a faith, but you're, you know, still asking that question. Cause I think, Unfortunately, the the idea of people saying those things like, well, all things happen for a reason, you know, like I don't know about you guys, but Not sometimes it's those... Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's what I was about to ask. Like I mean, like like how does like that, that's I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of ignoring the other questions I sent you guys, but I'm going straight to that. Like when somebody says something like that, like what like what what is the best thing for people to say to people going through this? Like because I, I, I personally hate it when people say, well, people, you know, God's, God's using this for something, you know, better or, um, you know, all things happen for a reason. Like, it's like, yeah, but you know what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. why? Um, so, so yeah. So you guys, you guys can bounce off of each other on that one.
1: Yeah. A couple of different things there. So one, it's just almost automatic. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. You? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm good and fine. Okay, cool. So when that comes up, people often do say, Hey, everything happens for a reason. It'll be okay. And they're like, that doesn't help. That's not helpful. However, they don't know what their line is. They don't know what to say. Um, so for people that are going through it, that are getting that treatment of everything's going to be all right. Everything happens for a reason. Understand, and this is a conversation my wife and I had often I reminded her often was they're doing the best they can with what they have, and they just don't know what to say. uh they might not be equipped in that situation, they might not have been through this before. Uh, we shouldn't get angry. instead, we should have a different reaction, like just appreciate that they said something or you know whatever um or <laughs> change the conversation in a different way or to a different subject or whatever, but not react like what often happens is everything happens for a reason. Okay, you just said that so that I would shut up and we could have a dead-end conversation. And um, uh, and I'm sure some people do say it for that reason. However, that's how it feels when somebody says it to you. And, uh, you know, we don't have any control over that. But what we do have control over is our reaction to what they say. Um, some of the most helpful things were just, hey, we're here for you. You know, tell us what's going on. Hey, we love you. Hey, we support you. Um, you know, can I give you a hug? Can I, can I pray for you? So some of the coolest things were when guys stopped on the spot and literally prayed for us and prayed over us right there. Like, that is so powerful.
2: Yeah, I I, you know, I agree with you, Dan. I, th- I think a lot of times people, that's kind of like their go-to line because they don't, they don't know what to say or how to even address that situation. Um, I know for me, I had a lot of people after we made that Facebook post that would just message me. And the, the things I appreciated is just, uh, I had a couple of my friends that said, you know, hey man, I, I just read your post. I have no idea what that is even remotely close to or what that is even like. I, I'm sure it's something undescribable. They're just like, I don't know what to say, but if you need to talk or vent or whatever, I'm here to listen. I think that was the big thing. They didn't want to talk. They just wanted to maybe listen. So you could, you know, vent your frustrations, um, your struggles, whatever that is, that to me meant more than someone trying to tell me, you know, something like that. Like, well, things will be okay. Well, what if they're not okay? That type of deal. And you know, and Dan, in your situation, man, um, I feel bad that you had to go through this twice. Like it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's like people say, well, it'll be okay. Well, in your situation, it wasn't okay the next time, you know? So it's, it's one of those things where again, yes, you, you, you kind of, you appreciate them saying something, but deep down in your gut, you're going, that's not helping, you know? Um, But, you know, like you said, I agree. Yes. It's, I think it's just important that they do reach out and they do say something, but this is one of those situations, which is why we're having this podcast that, People don't talk about it. They don't know. How do you address this? how How do how do you talk to your best friend that just went through this? You know, they've been your best friend since you know the fourth grade. You're both thirty some years old, and you have no clue how to talk about this. Um, so, I mean, it's it, it's a struggle. But to me, it was it was more important for the people that reached out to me that just said, "Hey, if you need a listening ear, I'm here. You know how to get a hold of me? Here's my number. We can Facetime. You know, we can get up, go get a cup of coffee or something like that." Um, that to me, I think meant more than anything than someone just saying, "Well, we—you we, we, can't say we've all been through it." But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a, bi- a bigger plan. Which, as a believer, yes, deep down in my gut, I know there is. I know there is. But at that moment, you're just like, "That's that's not what I need to hear," you know. Um, and maybe it's just that that inside of us saying we need to fix this and we can't. Something's broken. We know something has rocked our world. We there's. There's no fix here to it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, it's it is appreciative to say something. But in my um, my my side of the story, it was more important for people just to reach out to me and say, "I'm, I'm sorry, you're going through this." I had one of my friends. Um, he just, I, I, I can, I think I still have his message saved on Facebook. That when he messaged me, he was like, he was like, "Buddy," he goes, "I am so sorry." He said, like, "My heart is literally breaking for you right now." And that was just huge for someone that uh, I've been, you know, went to college with him, and uh, for him just to reach out and just be like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say, but just know my heart is breaking for you. Um, And then he was just like, if you need to talk, just let me know. And um, that to me was more important than someone coming up and, you know, patting me on the back, give me a hug and sending me on my way was just listening. Uh, listen to the vent, the frustration, the the joy, just you know things like that, and then of course that branched off into other conversations that were better. It wasn't so much you know sorrow, um, so so yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, Dan, uh, with that, and um, that's what's one of those things. And and again, I don't think it's people being rude or just trying to say something to get you to move on to the you know down the line, but uh, it's it's just the thing. I think if more people knew about this and not that they not that I wish anybody got to go through it but you know what I'm saying like if they if they knew more about it and and you know the women it's it's one in four for women that go through this that it happens um and and we had friends at our at our church that I think the uh his wife had eleven miscarriages before they had one, and I'm just like i i just I don't know if I'm that strong to do that, you know um so I mean God love those that are, but it was tough for me to get through one day, and I couldn't imagine you going through two man um but yeah, for me, that was the biggest thing when people just said, I'm here to listen, not necessarily to talk at you, but just listen to you.
1: I'm going to jump on the one, one out of four thing and sidetrack you a bit, Bobby. Sorry, but this uh, might add value to the people that listen to this. Thank you for listening this far. Yeah. So in our case, we go to yet another doctor and he was a Christian doctor and he also had a miscarriage. He had a few children. And then had a miscarriage. And this was the business he was in. And he said, why did this happen? Why, God, why did this happen? And he was challenging God, but at the same time, he also was, hey, God, why did this happen? Like if you made humans and you made the world and you made so much perfection, how come with this child did we have a miscarriage? I'd like to know. And also, if I can figure it out, This may help a lot of people. Him and another group of doctors all started studying this, and they figured out that there's a gene called uh, MTHFR. It's something that traditional medicine, traditional doctors test for in women, and it does cause miscarriages. It's a blood clotting disorder. So once uh, the fetus gets to 12 weeks, then it stops allowing things to continue to grow like normal and the blood clotting, then kills the fetus. So they test for it in women. They refuse to test for it in men. And sometimes when you're seeing these doctors, they say, no, we can't do that because insurance won't pay for it. it looks like a hundred bucks or something. Like it's nothing. Like, would you want to have a second chance of having another miscarriage for the same exact reason? Turns out I said, the, the doctor we're seeing, he goes, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to talk. You're going to listen. You're not going to ask any questions until I'm done talking. Well, he went right through a checklist and then told us his story. And then he said, hey, do you got any questions? I said, yeah, it's amazing. Like you said, you have a 91% success rate. In in vitro doctors are bragging about a 50% success rate and beating their chest, talking about the best in town. How'd you say 91% after 12 weeks with humility? And he said, well, those are my results. You can go up front and check them out. I was like, I don't care about that. I want to know about the humility part. And he goes, well, it's because of our checklist and we're all natural and we don't believe in going to these extraordinary options that cost lots of money. when we can solve things inexpensively, just figuring out how to get the body to function properly. So, my wife got a laparoscopy. She had a couple things inside of her that needed to be taken care of. It's a fairly simple procedure. But at the same time, the doctor goes, Hey, man, I guarantee you've got MTHFR. That's what I had. Every case I've seen like yours, thousands of them, the male has had MTHFR. And sure enough, tested me. I had MTHFR. My wife had to take about $10 of uh, over the counter. they call it uh supplements like vitamin C and a couple other things. I don't remember what they are. And that allowed the blood not to clot, and that's how we had two children. Um so there's just Napro technology was one of the things, it's a natural technology and crate model is something else out there. Uh you can look those up. And there's about four or five other Christian options doctors have said, you know, let's figure out the natural side of things before going to the extraordinary technology side to solve problems. And without that we would not have our two daughters and since then we've found tons and tons of people that have had the same results.
0: That's big. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's good for you know for people to hear. I think yeah, to know that there's options out there to help you walk through the process, I think that's good. I think um you know, grief is hard, man. And especially as men, you know, like talking from the man's perspective, you know, like um you know, we I don't know about you guys, but I really wasn't taught to handle grief well. Um I wasn't taught to 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 cry, um at least not openly. Like I was like I can go run away in my room and cry, but I couldn't do it openly because if I did, then I was called names or I was told I was uh just wasn't acting like a big boy, you know? Um now granted, you stub your toe, it's like, okay, come on now. Just like, it's okay. But, you know, hurting yourself significantly or, or having some significant loss, like you were just told to kind of move through it, you know? Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, because I, I know we're kind of running short on time here, but I want so, so let me, let me, I guess, were
1: you taught to handle grief well as a child? As a young
0: man, were, like, were you taught well to, to handle grief?
2: Um, me, I I don't know if I would actually say that I was taught. I mean, I guess you could say that I was kind of taught by watching my father. Um, my father didn't really have any issues showing his emotion. Um, I know many a times I'd see him cry, you know, if he and my mother had a fight, um, when my uncle, his brother died, uh, he died of alcoholism. My dad handled that in a really rough fashion. There'd be a lot of times I would see him just kind of in his own little room, just hands down and you could tell he was crying. You'd hear him sobbing a little bit. Um, My, my, uh, my brother, he's got a different dad than me. He's he's my stepbrother, but he's, he's my brother. Um, He's the same way. He's uh, he's always um, been very emotional, like not, you know, crazy emotional, but has no problem showing his emotion. Uh, My grandfather was the same way on my my mom's side. Um, So I guess you could say I was kind of taught by example. Um, nothing really, nobody really ever kind of consoled me and said, you know, pat me on the back say, it's okay to cry. It's just one of those things I I knew not to hide because I knew there was something welling up inside and you just shouldn't hold that in. You know, you'd be like a a powder keg one day and just explode on someone. Um, I can't, I can't tell you that I, 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 I'm very emotional when it comes to a lot of things. Um, example at our wedding, I cried more than my wife did. Um, you look at our wedding pictures and I'm just in tears, you know, um, from the moment I saw her in the back of the church, walking down the aisle to the, to the moment we're walking out of the aisle. Um, there was actually a time she had to give me her tissues and because I didn't, ha- I didn't think to put any in my tuxedo pockets and I'm just a blubbering mess. You know, it's, it's my wife, my bride, my best friend. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of like making my, my dream come true type of deal. But uh, so I, I guess you could say that I was kind of taught because I, I saw it. Um, I, I can't remember a time in my life that I've never really heard anybody poke fun at me. I mean, maybe kids at school, something like that, you know, typical adolescence type things. But, um, I was actually, I guess, pretty fortunate that I grew up around some men that, um, didn't afraid to kind of wear their heart on their sleeve a little bit, um, and, and show that. So I was, I was pretty, pretty fortunate with that. I know, uh, my son growing up, he's kind of the same way. Um, he's in that stage, you know, he's in kindergarten, six years old where he is starting to express emotion and certain things he doesn't know what it is and he doesn't know what to do with it so we have to tell him it's okay to cry if you need to cry it's okay we're right here with you you know put your head on our shoulder and let it go man let you know let it cry so um you know it's it's one of those things where i would encourage it if if, you know if you're a listener out there and, and maybe you were never taught or told um to me, I, I've seen it do damage uh, being a middle school teacher with young young boys in, in school when they try to hold that emotion back and they don't know what to do with it. They are seriously a powder keg and it explodes and, and it can't always be in a positive way because they don't know what this is and how to harness it and how to channel it. Um, so, yeah, um, maybe if you've never been around that element, you know, maybe talk to some of your friends. It, it's... It might feel a little uncomfortable at first, you know, two dudes sitting around, you know, drinking some coffee or bowling. And all of a sudden say, hey, man, do you cry? <laughs> you know, it's but I, I, you know, I think by doing something like this, silly as that sounds, you're probably going to find out you have a lot more in common uh, with guys who are just like, yeah, man, I, you know, all the time type of deal, you know. Um, but, yeah, so I, I would say that I was kind of taught by example. I saw it a good bit. Um, but nobody really ever said, you know, this is okay. It's, you're not going to be less of a man. If you do it, you're not going to be a a girly man, I guess you could say. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my thing.
1: Yeah. Thinking back, uh, actually my parents did a really good job of helping me understand how to work through grief. However, when you're a child, parents give things to us like a child. Uh, is a great advice. Hey, you know, if you feel emotional or you feel upset about whatever, uh, feel free and cry. You know, it's okay. You're not less of a man because you cry. At the same time, the ways of the world are saying, "Now you got to be tough. You never cry." You know, those kind of things. As a you know, as a boy, and as I think back today versus when I was a kid, as a kid, you didn't have a cell phone. You didn't have uh all the communication tools we have now. As a 10-year-old boy, you probably wouldn't have used them anyway. Uh, you know, you, when you left the house, you went and you played sports. So you certainly were going to have a deep conversation with your 10-year-old buddies while you're playing soccer or basketball. Um, and there aren't many opportunities to really have those conversations between school and playing sports and stuff. Uh, you, you just don't have that much one-on-one time or small group time or, you know, that kind of thing. And then fast forward to us being adults, we still don't have it. We got jobs, we got families, we got commitments. Uh, we tend to be focused on things and not other male friends. So Josh, you mentioned, oh yeah, hanging out with your buddies, having a beer and, you know, denting with them or, or letting them know what's going on or getting real with them. A lot of guys don't have anybody to do that with much less you know and if they do if they've got one they're extremely lucky so we tend to let our network of guy friends fade away after high school after college you know once you get into high school and college you do have a little bit more time to hang out and get to know people and share things Uh, but you generally don't as a little kid and then as a parent You can have all these time commitments and not put much emphasis on developing authentic male friendships. Uh, In the Bible, it talks about having good counsel around you. And often we don't have that without being intentional. And often that's so low on the priority list that when it's time for big struggle or grief, we don't have somebody to reach out to. It's not something we've been doing. We haven't been that friend for somebody else and so there's nobody there that we're aware of however if we would reach out all of our old friends would be back you know snapping your fingers kind of thing
0: yeah i mean i think that um that having a good group around you having a good good, solid you know um group of friends is important i think that you're right when when life gets busy sometimes that goes on the back burner but i think taking the time to to uh, nurture friendships um to pour into them is important especially around times cuz when you do need somebody it's important um you know one of the things that i think that i want to wrap up with you know like if you were so you know Josh you kind of touched on it but like if you were to tell a dad who is grieving um you know like hey you know you want to tell him listen we're here we're, we're here to support you but at the same time you know they don't know how to share you know they don't know what to do they don't know what to do with their partner they don't know what to do with themselves what would you say to them maybe one two things what would you say to them to encourage them to to work through the process um i'll go ahead and ask dan like if you if you wouldn't mind starting that off
1: yeah so uh one just finding the person to say something to so um i heard john o'leary Kind of talk about working through difficult stuff. Why me? God, why me? Let's flip that around a little bit. God, why me? You know, what is the, what is the lesson I'm going to learn through this? Where are you taking me on this path? Um, who cares? Who cares? Flip that around. Who cares? There are people that care. It's my job to think through my list of who cares. My mom cares, my dad cares, you know, if they're alive, they should be on the short list, brother, sister. Um, and then expand the list, you know, maybe, maybe your high school coach, maybe your mentor, maybe, um, maybe you've got a buddy that you work with, maybe you've got uh, a bowling link you're in or something, but, or think back to who your friends were in grade school, high school, college. Hey man, you got a minute? I'd like to talk to you. I don't have a minute right now, but I do in 30 minutes, you know, and, and it goes from there. So having the confidence that people do care about you, and if you ask yourself genuinely, who cares, there's a lot of people that will be on that list. Uh, take a deep breath, calm down, and think through proactive, positive things as opposed to defeating small things. So. um there's some questions I ask, is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? And I add another one, is it loving? And I filter that through. And if that thought doesn't go through that process, one, I'm not allowed to say it to other people. Two, I'm not allowed to say it to myself or keep those thoughts in my head. I got to take them captive and transform them into something that does through that checklist, something that is positive, something that can move me forward. And in the time of grief, it's okay to grieve for a while, but it's not okay to grieve forever. So like you got to take action to make progress and move through it. Uh, The seven levels of grief are a, a great place to start. So when you start feeling those different emotions that come in waves and you move through the levels and you go backwards and forwards. So it's not a systematic way. You go forwards and backwards as you go through it but looking at that scale can really help and help you express yourself to other people. But people do care. There's tools out there. There's other people that have had bad things happen to them also. Uh, and there's lots and lots of people that'll listen. Uh, some unfortunately will tell you things and point their finger at you and give you advice right away without listening, but just know that they're there and they actually would care if they, and they do care, but, um, Give them the grace that they don't have the tools to help you the way that you wanted, but trust that the next person can. You got long-winded there, Bobby. So I'll let you go, Josh.
2: <laughs> no, not a problem. That's good stuff, Dan. Um for me, um, with my experience, I I am kind of relating this back to an old 90s t-shirt slogan, no fear. Um if, if if I had to talk to someone uh that's you know not knowing how to deal, deal with this. A lot of people that I've talked to and have come across through my own experience going through this and, you know, through others, um, sometimes guys are just afraid of letting it loose. Um, you know, what's my buddy going to think? What's my neighbor going to think? What's my wife going to think if I don't show her I'm this big macho man, you know what I'm saying? And, And, and I, and to me, that's where you can't have any fear of that. Um, through this experience, uh, this is one I guess you could say positive thing that my wife and I have gained out of this. Um, through you know her miscarriage, we have found a lot more coworkers, neighbors, uh, Facebook friends that have been through this. Uh, and you know, kind of like Bobby, like this. While we're doing this, nobody talks about it, and this is something we could all be lifting each other up and helping each other through our personal experiences. And like we had people that we literally sitting right beside in church that have been through a miscarriage. We have no idea about it. And they were able to help us. And through that, um, my wife, when she was working at her old school, she, uh, she had a good friend that, that taught there. She went through a miscarriage shortly after one of ours and she was able to talk to her about it. So it's just one of those things. You can't have this fear of what if someone's going to make fun of me or say, think bad about me. It's kind of like Dan going back to you. Who cares? I mean, I think you're going to find out you have probably more than a 60% shot that someone's either going to have been through it, know someone that's been through it, or something that's very similar to it um, that you can talk about. Talk about the differences of what you've been through, how they're similar, how you got through that. Um, You know, I I lost one thing that kind of helped me, I think, grieve too, is I lost my dad when I was 21 and I'm 42 now. So you know I'm starting freshman year of college, and then I got to take part of my semester off because my dad passes away, so I have seen you know a close loved one you know I was in the hospital room whenever he took his last breath and and that's that's kind of traumatizing that's something that I never thought I would have to you know go through uh in my in my early twenties and here now you know fast forward to you know handfuls of years with my wife and and, and losing our child, I can kind of go back to some of those same emotions and be like okay this is what i was feeling then here's how i dealt with it then um so i i think that's kind of like my biggest thing is just don't have this stereotypical fear that a lot of people kind of want to like society wants you to throw out um don't be afraid to express your emotions don't be afraid to talk to somebody um you're probably going to find out you have a lot more in common with that similar situation or the exact same situation if you just open up and and just talk a little bit. Um, And like, and like Dan was saying, it doesn't have to be anything in depth, just saying, Hey man, do you have, do you have a second? I got to get, I'm I'm struggling. I just got to talk for a second. And just by doing that, they'd be like, man, that is incredible because I've been struggling with fill in the blank. And you guys have already just started a dialogue where you can both just vent as men, mature men. And get it out in the open and then i found with me that has just taken lots of burden off my shoulders um, just being able to know that i'm not alone in this there are a lot of people coming from the same background like i i am um i always enjoy like i don't enjoy the situation and why we had to meet and talk like with dan here but i enjoy meeting new people that i know have been through similar situations and you, you make you make a new friend out of it um So, uh, to me, you know, um, I agree this, this is things that I think need to be shared more, but yeah, if I had to boil it down, to just a couple of words, just no fear. Don't have a fear about it. Just let it go. Let it rip.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, um, it's great. I think that, yeah, I think that, um, having the right people to share it with, and I love that who cares finding that the people who do care and really not fearing sharing your emotions because it's so essential. Cause like you said, you know, we can't be carrying it on our own we can't. And the more you carry, the more you bottle up inside, the more you're going to hurt and the more damage is going to to cause in the long run. So, you know, so I'm, I'm glad we're able to uh, talk about this. And again, I appreciate you guys coming on, sharing your story. I know it's not easy, um, you know, talking about it, but at the same time you sharing your story hopefully will help some other dads out there. So again, I appreciate you guys coming on. It's been awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I was thrilled to, thrilled to be able to talk about it and, you know, help get the word out. It's something, uh, even though I'm willing to talk about it, I find there's not very many people or platforms to talk
0: about it. Well, I, again, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll probably have you guys back on and talk about it again. You know, I think this can't be just a one-time conversation. I think there's a lot of dads out there who needs who need more tools and more support. So, um, so again, thank you guys, and uh, we'll we'll talk again later on.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Bobby.
2: Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate it. Those of you listening, thanks for listening. Keep listening. It's awesome.
0: So that was my um, interview with Josh and Dan, um, two good guys with great stories to tell. I'm sad, but great stories. They grew from it. They share their story. They, they were able to grieve and they're still grieving. You can tell, but they found a good, healthy way to work through it. Um, dads, if you're out there and you haven't been able to grieve well, please find a group to talk to. If you want to talk to me, reach out. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to be a support to you. Um, if you want to talk to Josh and Dan, um, you know, I'm sure that they'd be willing to talk to you too. I can get you connected to them. Um, but don't don't hesitate to share. This is a time for you to be honest, for you to be real. It's healthier when you can relieve your stress and relieve the pain. Find a group of people. Find something to do. Support your partner, but find support for yourself. You need it. You can't do this alone. As Josh shared, no fear. Share away. As Dan said, look, sometimes you can't fix it. You just need to be there. But also, it's important to find a good group of counsel to support you. So with that, I encourage you, please do it. Because as we say at the end of every podcast, where it's not about being the best dad in the world because it's not possible. It's about being the best dad to your child right now. And sometimes grieving openly, honestly, will make you be the best dad right now. So with that, Thank you again for listening to Being a Dad on Purpose. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, uh, share, um, comment, all that stuff, because it's important for us to get our our podcast out there. Um, And uh, again, if you'd like to connect, please, my email's in the show notes. Um, You can do that. All right. Well, with that, we'll talk to you next episode. Bye.